Hello, everybody, and welcome to In Star Trek, We Trust, a Star Trek podcast, and happy belated Star Trek Day. Happy indeed. On this very day yesterday, many 55 years ago, where premiered we, a little TV show. Where were you on September 8th, 1966? I hope some of our fans were somewhere because we weren't anywhere. I wasn't. I don't even. I wasn't even a thought. My parents weren't even married yet. Oh yeah, my parents were married, but I wasn't born. It's interesting. You know, I that was the year my mom graduated high school, and uh-huh. I actually asked my mom. I said, you know, because she obviously, you know, growing up with being a Star Trek fan my whole life, I, I did ask her. I said, you know, during that time, I said, was it something that you were even aware of at all and she's like I actually had a friend who loved that show and she said I had a friend who would stay in on Thursday nights I think the show was on Thursday nights originally and before it got moved to Fridays and she said her and her mother absolutely loved it and they she never wanted to leave the house on Thursday nights because that's when the show was on and she's like of course back then you couldn't something was on and you missed it and that was it so yeah. Yeah. Growing up, I had my mom's friend's son, who was probably, maybe like in his 20s, but he lived with his mom, had all the Star Trek and all the Twilight Zone on VHS. And that's a lot of VHS. It is. It took up like a whole wall. And whenever I went over there, I was so excited because I could watch a Twilight Zone or Star Trek. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. This is like somewhat off topic, but like somebody who used to tape a lot of things on television, I mean, taping all of Voyager as it aired and even, you know, taping the original series when I would see reruns of it. Um, I, I would, I binge watched before that was even a term. I mean, cause I had tapes of everything of those shows back then. I taped the Simpsons. I would get a VHS tape and I would set it to the you know, extra long play eight hours. Yeah. And record, fit as many Simpsons episodes as I could on a tape. Yep. And I, start another one. That's what I do with Voyager. So Voyager was an hour long, and I would get a tape, and I would set it to, I think it was EP mode, so you could fit as much as you could on the tape, you know, without running out. And I think I was able to get about five episodes of Voyager on there. Yeah, and I and I was organized. I had, like, I said, like, what show it was, the season, what episodes were on here. I was very organized with my uh, with my VHS tapes I back not. then. I would just be Simpsons, tape one, and it would just be all different seasons, a big mess. But my so favorite Star Trek that. memory of being yeah. young is um, I had a little TV in my bedroom, and it was this. It was actually you could use batteries if you wanted to. In my family, we used it in the bathroom for some reason. Mm-hmm. But I would put it, take it in my bedroom. It was black and white. The screen was probably four or five inches across, yep. maybe six inches. Yep. And uh, I would watch Next Generation. Yeah, when I I watched the, I grew up watching the original series which is which i've always found strange because next generation was well into its run at that point when i was born and or when i was growing up and so you'd think that's the one i would gravitate to but i but the original series was in reruns a lot on different stations back then and uh we're from the boston area i don't know if you recall um wqtv 68 but that was a channel i remember it being on and then nickelodeon ran the animated series and I and I think at that point there was probably I think f- the first four or five films I believe, so I had a, I had a fair amount of original series. There was a fair amount of original series content already, 
Uh, and I would tape it. I mean, I, I my parents did not toss any of those videotapes. So they, I really need to get them and digitize them, honestly. I've got to do that. Yeah. Actually, a, a colleague have from work, um, who actually has a uh, Dork Lair is his um, channel for reviewing action figures. Um, he brought in some tapes of, I think it was Next Gen episodes that he had taped with the commercials and everything. Yep. And um, he was doing some work in school and he had a TV and a VCR set up because he didn't have a VCR at home and he had just had them playing like oh, at some point. Um, it was, that was pretty neat. Do see. you recall, um, we've probably discussed it on the podcast before, but you, I remember you were in some collectible shop and they were selling original series tapes. I, and you got one for me and I've still got it sitting right over there. Um, and I think we had just finished recording an episode of the podcast like back then and we were at your place trying to get one and we forgot how to use a VCR like we totally forgot how to like it was like channel three we'd forgotten that you had to put stuff you on channel three that whole aspect. you have to put it on channel three right and I was like I don't remember how to do this how did we how did we do this right. which which back in the day because you didn't have an input setting yes channel three was the input yes the only other input you had was channel three we were like 98 percent there I'm like there's something we're not doing I don't I don't know what it is because yep. you kept yeah, switching the inputs, and I go, and one of us was like, "Oh wait, no, it's channel three. You had to put it on channel three, is what it was." I can't believe it's still channel three. Yeah, they haven't come up with some other way to do it yet. So yesterday, of course, was a big day. Was Star Trek Day? It was the fifty-fifth anniversary of Star Trek, and we got a lot of reveals yesterday for the five shows that are currently in various states of production. Um, I'm gonna. I want to ask you. I want you. I want you to. I want you to guess here. Okay. Out of all of the stuff that we saw announced yesterday, like various show trailers and whatnot, mm-hmm. which which trailer do you think I watched and was just? I walked away going, I don't even know what to think. It's got to be Picard. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's the I was the it was wild. I, and, I and, yeah. <laughs> And I don't mean that in a bad way. I was just like, whoa, like, what am I watching? Yes. Yeah. But it, to me, it felt like a bunch of Trek sort of tropes almost yeah. put into a wonder. There's a lot. I mean, th- there's a Very- lot. There's a lot going on. I mean, there's a lot going on. Like the 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 whole um coming back to the 21st century aspect. I mean, What? <laughs> Here's why I love that. Because it reminds me so much of Star Trek 4. Yeah, and all the other episodes that did that, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited about it. Because I, I just hope they're going to mine the humor because there's so much humor. And they did it a little bit where it's like, you can fly a starship and you can't drive a car. You know, fi- fish out of water stories to me never get old, especially when Star Trek does them. Because, yes. like between City on the Edge Forever, between Voyage Home, the Future's End, and and I'm sure like we'll get a lot of it with this one. But it's also it's a classic type of Star Trek story that we've not seen in a long time. Right? Yes. It's like when people were mad that the Borg Queen was coming back, they're like, Oh, it's so overdone. And I was like, We haven't seen the Borg Queen in like two decades. Yeah, and plus since it seems like seems like the Borg Queen is not a main villain or anything. The Borg Queen is just a means to an end. No, like, it, it looks to me like... I, and I don't know that the Borg Queen's a villain, but... 
or even that the 21st century is going to be like where they are the entire time. It seems to me, that just from what I got, it's just a theory, that they're just kind of like jumping all over the place, right? So like it could be like, you know, is it one episode they're in the 21st century? The next episode they're over here like, oh, and here comes the Borg Queen. Like is it sort of like a, you know, like a sort of like almost like a Back to the Future Part 2 type of thing where like they're going back to earlier experiences of something and trying to find, because I think Picard says something like, we have to go back and find where this began and stop, put a stop to it yeah. there or something like that. So it's almost like we have to go back to the future. Yeah. Like it, it's coming across to me. I, I don't know if I said this when we saw the first trip, the first like full trailer for Picard, but I, I feel like I might've said like, it sort of reminds me of the alternate 1985 storyline in back to the future part two, where they, you know, where Biff gets the almanac, he goes back to 55, makes changes, and now the time that Doc and Marty come from is now completely altered. And that, to me, looks like, kind of looks like, looks like what's going on here. Like something... Well, it seems to me that Q... And it's being done intentionally. Yeah, change time, and then it's, a, it's another test for you to figure out how to undo it. Yeah. But here's my prediction for the Borg Queen. I think that... It, I, here's my impression. They have her in storage. Starfleet has her in storage somewhere. So they've yep. defeated the Borg. She's in storage, and they use her to travel through time. Because they... right before that, it says something like, there are ways of traveling in time. And the next thing they show is plugging into the Borg Queen. Yeah, I mean, don't forget, the Borg are the ones who traveled back in time in first contact. Exactly. So they clearly have the means to do that. Yes. Yeah, so that's what I think it is. And they have yeah. to do it and they, I'm sure um I'm sure Seven and Picard don't really are you know have some mixed feelings about it. Yeah. Given the histories. So I think that's gonna be very interesting. Um yeah. I, I really love the fact that another Star Trek trope is the idea of the past has been changed and now we have a fascist government, world government or whatever. Because hmm. it seems like but it seems like in this, Picard is the fascist leader. Right. He's the dictator. He's the authoritarian dictator, which is somebody, hilarious. I don't have it in front of me, but somebody had made uh, an interesting theory on the Trek BBS because they talked about how it seems like, similar to what you're saying, it seems like there is some level of fascism going into the future. And they said it's almost like you know, in Trek's history, one of the pivotal moments is just before the Vulcans land is World War Three. It's been spoken of. It's like, you know, a nuclear cataclysm and, you know. Mm -hmm. Somebody made the point that, you know, what if that was something that they managed to change? They took that, they removed that from the equation entirely. And while it never happened, we just began to descend descend more and more over the years into an authoritarian world and maybe Picard and his team have to sort of like put that back to the way it was they have to sort of write that they have to somehow create the circumstances for maybe an event like that to take place I mean I don't right yeah and that sort of speculation is the specifics. I don't see a lot of but, evidence of that, but it's certainly an interesting it bring up an interesting idea of yeah. what if it's an Edith Keeler situation where they have to, you know, do something that feels bad or terrible right. in order to prevent 
So maybe they have to let a war happen or let someone be killed or let well, a catastrophe take place. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like one of those things, like, you know, if you could go back in time and stop Adolf Hitler, would you? It's like, well, I mean, it would certainly prevent a lot of people from dying, but think about there'd be no UN after that, right? Right. Yeah. And if you kill Hitler as a baby, because that's always the big one, like, <laughs> right. I think there's no, there's no, there's, those forces yeah. were, were around without Hitler. He just was a catalyst for a lot of the things. Right. So it so, may have, it may have happened, but it would have happened in a very different yes, way. Yes, yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, rarely there's one person you can kill that would stop, you know, much. And let's, and I'm, and I'm going to be honest about one other thing too. Like, I love that we have that we've had new Trek since 2017, but I've really missed having those fun time travel stories. Like I remember in season one of Discovery, you and I got very excited because there was that episode where Stamets was like re- where they were caught in that time loop with Harry Harry Mudd was there and Stamets was the only one experiencing it. We were like, oh, they're doing like a classic, you know, Trek yeah. time travel trope story. It was great, and I love that episode still too. That was very much yeah, that's true. That was a good sort of standalone yeah trek idea right and so and so and look you know on the face of it is it a trek trope yeah sure but like regardless of that loving that's okay though because there's a lot of these tropes that we've not seen in a long time it'd be fun to get get, sort of get like a fresh take yeah and to me when i say trek i know trope has a negative connotation but right i like i love the trek tropes they're trek tropes trek you know but obviously they didn't originate a lot of them but still they're very track to me again i lean on you as somebody who teaches writing and storytelling and all that stuff isn't there some sort of like thing like how there's only like a handful of different types of stories you can tell it's it's but it's putting a different spin on them so many it's so many in so many different ways yeah there's actually so it's funny you mentioned that because there's this um there's this note-taking technique that i learned at some conference once and it was um Somebody wanted, but so. So it's that you can look at any situation. I think this was for history note taking, maybe. And it's like, somebody wanted X, but something prevented it. So this thing happened. Right. And we tried applying it to all these different situations in history. And it's like, yeah, that kind of fits for every yeah. situation. So, yeah, there are a lot of, um, I think some people do say there is some theory, like so six different stories you can tell. Yeah, like when you really, it's like when you really break it down to its most basic type of story. It's like, oh yeah, Yeah, it's the same as it's the same as this one. You're just yeah, revenge story and something. Right. So yeah, I like that Trek could have its own. There's like six different Trek stories, whatever it is, because they sort of have their the their own um, kind of rules. The burning question that I have, which I'm sure everybody everybody has, is why. Right. Why, why? Why are we seeing this on Picard? Why is Q doing this? You know, I know he talks about how the trial never ends, and he said that in all good things. So yeah. what's what's sort of? And now we've not seen Q with Picard in quite some time. So what's bringing this on? Right. So why did he disappear for so long? You mean? Yeah. Like why? Like why is he suddenly reappearing after all this time? And I mean, it's as much as suggested when Picard says Q I'm too old for this yeah so yeah like what yeah where is this coming from right yeah yeah that is interesting what's he been up to all that well I'll tell you here's my theory on the outside so that would be like an in the fictional world and here's my outside of the fictional world 
Fan service. Fan service. Well, I'm going right. outside the fictional world. Yeah, so. yeah, right. No, not fan service, but I think that never before in our lifetime since, I guess, the World War II era has it seemed more possible that fascism could come back in some parts of the world. Mm. There's a lot of like push against liberal liberalism and liberal democracies toward more authoritarian figures. So I think it's timely right. to bring back this idea of a dystopian right. fascist authoritarian ruler, particularly taking a world that we know so well as being more of yeah. a utopia and turning yeah. it into a fascist dystopia could be could be um timely. Is, is that something that you would retroactively apply to the next gen days or do you just think back then it's like oh it's just a really cool villain? No, see, I think in the next gen days, the 80s, the word, the word, biggest fear, well, the biggest fear was sort of like the Soviet Union. Yeah. So communism is more the fear, not fascism. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that this is timely. Right. Yeah. And knowing how the writers seem to work, I'm sure that that's going to be in there. Right. As far as in universe. <clears throat> Uh, who knows? I mean, why? Because it, it sort of seems like Q showed up in Picard's life a bunch during a few years, and then he disappeared right. for a long, right. long time, and then he came back. I think it's also, for me, and I like what you say, and I think for me it's also kind of making up for lost time, because I love the next-gen series finale. I think it's, not only do I think it's the best Star Trek series finale, but I think it's one of the best series finales of all time. And while I thought it did a nice job, it's sort of like, wrapping up the Q story because it tied back to the first episode, I really thought that Q deserved... Q was... Q needed to be in a next-gen film. He needed to be in a next-gen film. And, yeah. you know, I think that maybe the problem there is that, you know, how do you do that over the course of... How do you make him the villain of a film and yet not, right? Because I don't really see him too much as a villain at least not in the traditional sense. But to your point, you'd be like, oh, somebody could figure it out. You just write, somebody could figure that stuff out. I think right? it's a missed opportunity because the great thing about, and it's about Q, and it seems like the writers here are realizing it is, you can use Q to make any situation you want. Right. Without having to set it up and make it realistic. It's just like, no, Q showed up and said, hey, you have to deal with this. So in a way, yeah. it's it's sort of brilliant because you can do anything. You could have a, you could, you could, um, make like a samurai movie send picard to samurai times and I he mean, has to like do something cupid, you do anything you, you know want. the cupid the robin hood episode i mean it's just exactly yeah to your point q doesn't really have to have a reason to be there on the one hand i feel like well picard's back we have a a new picard series we need to see q like we have to see q but which i agree with on the face of it but to your point there needs to be something more to it other than just the nostalgia factor. Right, because clearly we saw they brought back data for a very specific purpose. Right. Um, so because I do trust this show and the writers yep. and everything, the showrunner, um, I feel like I expect good things and I expect them, they're going to do something interesting yeah. and new. This show doesn't come across like that to me. It doesn't come across like just doing something because we can. 
I right. mean, if that were the case, they would have just rebuilt data and be like, we're going to put his memory into a new data. He would have right. been a character. And that I mean, been we saw Riker and we saw Troy. And we yes, saw seven of nine. And we saw seven of nine. But it all made sense. Right. We saw them in a whole totally different phase of their life. Right. See, that's the other thing. It's not human. like it's not like we're back on a ship and everybody's back the way it used to be. Like not only did we see them right. again and not only were they vital to the storyline, but we saw them in another in another phase of their lives, as you say. Yes, with family and yeah. living in the forest and cooking pizza outdoors. Right. So And then he did and then that made it okay that he showed up and kicked ass at the end. Even though he didn't really kick ass, but he sort of did, you know? Yeah. If they yeah, hadn't yeah. had the set up earlier, that would have felt like a I guess an unearned moment as we sometimes I don't know. want to forget, because we've not seen this in the trailer, but Guinan is in this season. Oh, that's true too. Now, I wonder if it'll be Guinan from that period or sometime in the time travel he will encounter. Well so Guinan so I can I can there's two things I can sort of reach back to on there's two things that I can reach back to TNG on to legitimize Guinan's appearance, which again is not in my opinion I don't know how she's gonna show up. But I can tell you I don't think it's for nostalgic reasons. Maybe maybe a little bit, but it would still make sense. In the episode yesterday's Enterprise when that's the alternate timeline. Guinan's the only one who knows something is wrong. And so when the rest of the crew are understanding that Guinan is seeing something that's not correct, Data postulates maybe her species has a perception that goes beyond linear time. Mm. Then we see her again in the, in the episode Time's Arrow where they travel back in time to like the 19th century San Francisco and she's there with Mark Twain. Oh, yeah. And Guinan knew on the end, she actually knew how those events were going to play out. And she would not tell Picard in the 24th century because she's like, I can't tell you because if I tell you, it's going to change the outcome. And so Guinan she, knew. Yeah. Did she establish she had some history with Q? That. Uh, so thank you. Third thing. Yeah. So there's a lot there. And really. All these things about Guinan are really just implied. So we're kind of at a point where we you could almost do anything. Right. And you've got that groundwork so, for something big. If she were just a bartender who suddenly now could go, oh, I know all about linear time. And, right. <laughs> that would be weird, but it's been established. So the first episode guess. that Q appears on, which happens to be... The first time we see Q during the Guinan years is in the second season. It's act well, coincidentally, it's the episode with the Borg, um, when they first meet the Borg. That's where you learn that the two of them have some kind of um history. And they don't they don't go into it. Right. And they sort of tease you about they sort of tease it in later episodes, but you never really get a full idea of what it was. Because shows weren't obligated to do that. It was like, yeah, they've got a history, okay. People, right. and people, maybe they'll go and use it later. Maybe right. we won't. Maybe, maybe we right. won't. But like, but how great is that that we get to see that play out? Probably. Yeah. So th it's like between that trailer and then what we and what we do know, and then even the trailers before that. It's there's so, again there's so I think I described it previously as there's so much there and yet. We know so much and yet nothing at all. 
there's so yeah. many layers to it. There's so much stuff to unpack that I don't even. Know, but I don't know shit. I don't know anything. Right, and how is Soji in it? it yeah, that's another question. So yeah, it's um, I, I'm very excited. I think it's not really what I expected at all, but it's what did you expect? Really I mean, going to be a, a wild ride, I guess, to use a cliche. I, I would. I, I think that, you know, if I may say, of all the you shows may. that we've got. I feel like Picard has definitely been the most like unpredictable because yeah. it's the one that doesn't it's not set on a spaceship it's again it's a character piece right so like it's not following that kind of traditional trek setup of a crew on a ship and so right but it's, it's also we got a crew on a ship right exactly um but like that's not the that's not the spine of the show, right? No. So the it's it's definitely it, it's yeah that's the word I would use. It's the most unpredictable yes. of the show. I feel like the show would pretty much do is, is like it's open. It's like open season. They can they'll pretty much do anything, which right. makes it. We had talked about anticipating sort of a logical next step based on last season's, um, what happened in last season. However, once you add Q to it, it's like you could have this wild Q ride and then yeah. go back to continuing something from season one. And it would be totally normal because Q sort of wipes the, the deck completely clean. Right. And I mean, let's be fair here. I mean, when each season that has put in, I mean, except for the season, really. Well, maybe a little bit. I don't know. Every season of Discovery ends with us getting some kind of a morsel of what's where they're going next season, right? Right. Um, Lower Decks did it at the end of last season, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it, like we didn't, we saw what needed to be dealt with in the next season, right? right? Picard was the only one of those shows that just ended, and we were like, "Fuck!" We, I mean, they can. We don't know. I mean, because I remember saying back then. Like a beginning, middle, and end story. It didn't like leave any dangling bits. Right. Really. I mean, or, like, well, what's going to happen with all these synthesoids or whatever they're called? I think I said back then that could have, like, if if Picard was only going to be, if Picard was going to be like a limited series, like one season. Yeah. That would have been. That would have been fine. Yeah, that would have been perfect. it. Right. But and I remember leading up to that finale. I, we were discussing on the podcast. I said, you know, I, I actually thought based off at that time, it was only discovery we had to kind of point to. I said, you know, I wonder if they will do a finale, a cliffhanger finale, giving us a tease of what is to come next season. And you said, I remember you said like, I mean, they could, but I'm not expecting them to because just because one show does it doesn't mean this one has to. I was only saying it because like it just seems like that's the tradition of Trek shows as of late, but um, it just ended and that was that. We, I mean, I think we did think about like are there ramifications to be dealt with, like with the Romulans and Soji and maybe the the um, the synths, but I think we kind of land where we kind of landed on that. We thought like, well, that's stuff that could probably be dealt with maybe like in dialogue or like. You know, I don't yeah, think it would be the focus of the whole. It would be the focus if they wanted to, and that would be cool. Right. Depends on what they want to do. Right. So let's move on to the next one. Yes. As you can see with a big smile on my face. Not uh, a trailer. 
Not uh, a trailer. I was a more little more than we got before. I was disappointed, but it was more of an informational trailer. So what we are, at least what we, of course, are referring to, the long-awaited Strange New Worlds. Yes. So give me, before I go into my, give me your take. Okay, my take is, and this is a, not just on the video we got, but also, interestingly, from Akiva Goldsman on, I believe, the red carpet talking about the show. Yeah. Or maybe it was during the panel. I'm not sure. But I am feeling very happy about it. Yep. Um, I'm a little happy as a word, but I'm feeling enthused. I'm really looking forward to it. I think. Um, is it what he said about the episode? Episodic they're format. They're saying all the right things to make us feel good about yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that having those legacy characters there, which of course we'll talk about, is cool. Mm-hmm. It's not something I needed, but it's fine. It's interesting. Yeah. Not against it at all. Add a level to it. Is it what um you talk about the red carpet thing? Is it about Specifically, if you is is it about what he said about the episodic format? Yes. Yeah. So I was very Same. impressed that he was saying the thing about the episodic format is you can kind of do these little ethical or moral lesson stories, mm-hmm. which is what I think we've talked about a lot being the thing that's missing from. It's Star been Trek. done, but not it's been done recently, but not enough. Right. Yeah. Yes. So I like that he's looking at it that way because, you know, as we know, when you watch the original series, sometimes you can see. I mean, I just wanted to see the um, the gorilla, horned gorillas. The Mugatu. The Mugatu. So I watched mm-hmm. uh, the, that episode and it's like, oh, this is so clearly an episode about the Vietnam War. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, on the nose. This is the Vietnam War. It's, Kirk even mentions like we had the wars. In Southeast Asia, you know, he like mentions it directly. That's when he so, refers to the um, the ba- balance of power, equalizing both sides. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we didn't get a trailer as far as like what's going to be happening on the show, which I realized I was a little disappointed by that, but I realized at the same time, like, well, if the show is not going to be a continuous story arc, it's just going to be essentially a montage of random things happening. And I don't know that I would have, I mean, it would have been great to see, but I think this was far more effective because we got to see who the characters are and we got to see who else is going to be on the show outside of Pike, number one, and Spock, which I've got to say, I was not, I mean, I thought they were going to be the only legacy characters and they were just going to populate them with new characters around them. I was not expecting what we saw at all. Yeah, but you know who we didn't get? Notably, is that old doctor, Doctor Boyce? Yes, thank you. Yeah, which I'm okay with it, but I just maybe he retired. Know. I mean, he could still he could. Let's put it this way: I think he could still be there, but maybe he's just not a main character on the show. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about who we do get. So, what did you? How did you react when we found out that Celia Rose Gooding is playing Cadet Neota Uhura? Um, my first thought was, oh, cool. Yeah, that was actually my thought. It was like a little bit of surprise, and then realized, like, nah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Now he could have come with the ship when, by the time, so to speak, when Kirk showed up. Because didn't I? How many times have I said to you since 
even before the show was announced, I think before the show was announced, that as the as the show begins to make its way closer to Kirk's time, there's no reason why we might not be able to see some of the original series characters appear on that ship, albeit lower ranking positions. Yes. Right? Yep. Now, because I don't know the policy of like when a starship gets a new captain, does the entire crew switch out and go with them? Really not, because we have Spock. Right. So um, they're definitely doing it sooner than I thought they would. But at the same time, you also have to realize too, we don't know. You know, you, Uhura has been so... Uhura, Sulu, Chekhov, Scotty, they've been so... Even McCoy, they've been so imbued in, into the Trek lore that we think we know everything about them, but we really do not know what brought them to the Enterprise. We don't know their backstories at all. Right, we know the alternate backstories. Right, and that's something else I pointed out. I mean, I said, this is in a way mirroring the Abrams film because Uhura came aboard the Enterprise as a cadet under Pike. Right, right, it's a good point, yeah. So, somebody on the Trek BBS was quick to point out, like, well, you know, but what about the menagerie? I'm like, well, what about it? Pike was there. Well, because that just seems weird that, you know, they're like, it's some, not that there's anything wrong with it, but like, wouldn't Uhura know? And I'm like, well, no, because Uhura wasn't, the menagerie ties back to the cage. Uhura was not in the cage. Spock was heavily involved. Pike contacted Spock. Just because Uhura may have served under Pike doesn't mean that he's obligated to reach out to her as well. And she was a cadet, for God's sakes. Yeah, a cadet. So maybe she wasn't involved in the... Yeah, because that's the thing. Yeah, we don't see her in the cage. And it's like, okay, she's a cadet. She just wasn't... And the 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 cage takes place several years before this anyway, so... Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. This could be her first day on the Enterprise, for all we know. Yeah, it's sort of one of those classic things that comes up in Trek. Like, why didn't they mention it? It's like, because people don't mention everything that happens to them all the time. I I think it's a great addition. I mean, I, I but I, th- I had the same, I was excited, but I thought to myself like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, that could work. But it wasn't something that I would have like expected them to do. But I thought, oh, okay, well, all right, if you're going to do it, then sure, I'm on board with that. Right. I wasn't expecting them to do that, anything like that. Right. But yeah. here's something that I'm wondering. So you, I'm glad you mentioned mirroring <laughs> the Abrams films because... Yeah some point during the panel, they're talking about Spock and he says something about feelings and like feelings of love and passion. So do you think they're also going to mirror the relationship between Uhura and Spock? I mean, they, they kind of allude to it a little bit in the original series from time to time. I remember like there was a moment where Uhura looks at Spock and says like, why don't you ever tell me I'm an attractive young lady? So <laughs> obviously like, it's not like what they did there on the films. Sorry. But they're flirty. They've, they, she's been flirty with them a few times throughout the show. Mm. So maybe. I mean, I know that was a controversial element of the Abrams films, and they were, and I know that the fans were happy that they ended it in Star Trek Beyond. But mm. I, 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 I mean, whether they do it or they don't do it, it's, that's fine with me. Yeah, I think yeah. it's sort of sensible actually to have it that he's. They do, and it doesn't work out because of his Vulcan side. Right. I mean, I think I think they should leave it only because if the show has an opportunity to flesh out to Pring, which what we see in a mock time, I say do that. Yes, and also it's just I don't I kind of don't want to wasting time with romance. I, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I'm glad she's there. I mean, I, I, I mean, hey, you know, and the, but this is not the only legacy character there. No. Uh, Jess Bush is playing Nurse Christine Chapel, which I was yeah, very quick Chappell. to point out. Both characters that Major Roddenberry Barrett played, Major Barrett Roddenberry played, are on the yeah. show. That's fun. That's yeah. Fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's great. I think make her a doctor, though. I mean, it's not the 60s. Ladies well, don't she's have to not be a, nurses. She's not a doctor on the original series either. I know, but yeah. that's because, you know, sexism. Yeah. But, I mean, that's cool, too. I'm glad she's there, too. Yeah. Right? Um, and then Babs, I can't say his last name. I'm sorry. Oh, Dr. Manga? Yeah, that was a that was well, a surprise. Tell me about Doctor Mbega because I don't. That was so familiar. he appeared in that episode you watched, A Private Little War. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, he's only been on the sh- on the original series twice, and he is, I believe, my, if memory serves, he was the most senior medical officer underneath McCoy, so he was able to become the medical officer in McCoy's absence. So he's probably a lower-ranking officer at this point, of course. I don't know. Right. I don't think he's and the chief like medical officer. Probably already higher ranked than him, so that's right. why. Nice. Right. So um, this is what, I, but this is what I mean when I say both of these characters, Nurse Chapel and Mbenga, they're still lower-ranking medical officers, which he because Cannon won't allow him to be the chief medical officer. Right, because then why would he be? Else he gets demoted during the course of the show. So that tells me. I mean, that there is a chief medical officer. It could still be Doctor Boyce. It's just that Boyce is not a member of the main cast of characters. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. We're gonna right. get the lower decks of the medical staff. Yeah. So I mean, they could do it to where like the doctor is just the the chief medical officer is just not a member of the main cast he's maybe just a recurring character so yeah. i mean it could still be boyce i mean i i would be let's put it this way i'm not saying that they're gonna I, i'm not hoping they ignore boyce i'm not expecting them to ignore boyce i feel like they owe it to us to at least even if it's just a line of dollars say you know boyce retired that's fine but i don't think <laughs> yeah. they should leave that out in the ether i mean if he if boyce he's the, yeah i mean if he's there and we don't see him that often. Okay, at least we know that he's there. But if he's not there, at least tell us where. At least tell us that he's not, because I, I just I don't want to be wondering about that, right? right. We don't want to have a um, a lore situation, right? The whole but how much do we love Picard? Every every episode, right? But where is lore? Where is lore? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So not that we would have as much concern about boys as lore, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Now uh, here's what I'm very excited about. I think you know I love the Andorians. And yes. I think you know that since they are a founding uh, species of the um, Federation, that mm. we should have seen them more around. Yes. And so I am very, very glad to see an Andorian, uh, I would assume, serving on the Enterprise. Well, not just an Andorian, but an Anar. Tell me more. The Anar appeared on Enterprise. They are an Andorian subspecies who live deep below the planet, and they're all white. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that what uh, a Shraf is? Shraf. Shran? Shran, thank no. you. <laughs> no, Shran is blue. We see the Anar in the three-part episode of season four. It's called, it's a, is it Babel One, United, and I forget what the third, what the second one, what the third one is, but it's three-part. But we, we, 
um, we find out that the Anar are being used by the Romulans to automate their ships. Mm. So, and the Enterprise and Shran brings Archer to their homeworld, and they go deep down. I think the Anar were like thought to be a myth, and they find out they're real. But they're all they're Andorian, they're colorless Andorians. So I like that they, I like that they not only did an Andorian, but they chose to go that route. Which, yeah, don't tell me the people who behind these shows don't know the Trek lore right. because obviously, yes, yeah. And so that's interesting. So that leads us to imply that they have then they have now integrated with the rest of the Andorians and everything's great. Yeah, with the Andorians. Um, so the one that was a huge red flag for me was. A character named uh, actress Christina Chong plays a character named Lan Noonien Singh. Yeah, that's interesting. What? <laughs> what a weird. Choice. A descendant of Khan is on the ship. Right, because yeah. Khan is a genetic superhuman, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, tell me more. Like that. That's you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. I know we often point out, like, don't worry about it if it's like, why didn't they mention X? Why didn't they mention Y? But is there specifically a scene where they're researching New Khan on... Not his family history. But there is a scene... Yeah. Who he is? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it come up like, and one of his ancestors served aboard the Enterprise? Wouldn't and that Space be Seed. interesting information to have? Well, in Space Seed, they're researching who... In Space Seed, they're researching who Khan is... Yes. ...from his genetic Superman time. Yes, but you figure, right, an Enterprise I, I, version of a Google search that would come up. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it's not a big deal. But. There's no, uh, let's put it this way. There's nothing technically wrong with it. No. But it's like, now at first I thought it said Noonan, Noonan Soong. I thought, I'm like, wait, is this like a, is this data? Is this the data? Oh, okay. But no. Um so that's interesting. I, yeah, I, I mean, you know, uh, yeah. like anything, if you do something good with it, then it's fine by me. So that's the idea. That can they you would think, though. I think they probably can. You would think, though, before this officer left, she'd maybe leave Kirk a little note. You know, my, my great, great, great grandfather might be out there somewhere. So in case you run into him. <laughs> yeah, please don't abandon him. On Give a me a call. Planet that's going to... Uh, yeah, that's... Or maybe she had a falling out with her family, you know? Maybe she, like... Well, keep in mind, I mean, the... Family history or something. Khan and the eugenics wars, I mean, this is, from their point of view, this is, like, three centuries ago. Right, so, yeah, so, that's... That's fair. Um, I... I don't know. That, that, that was... That, I, would, I would actually argue that was probably the biggest surprise. I was not expecting... I mean, why would I? Right, why, why would you? Right. So we're... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, interesting. Like, why? That's my quite big question: is why? Not that I'm. I, it's not, not an accusatory question. I'm, I think they have a reason. I'm just very curious to know what it is. Yeah. How like, is it? Use that. Yeah. Is it, is it? Is 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 she just there for the sake of being related, or is there actually a story element here? It seems like you wouldn't do it just to do it. Right. So. Right. Yeah. So perhaps. Perhaps I don't know. I gotta say one thing about that though. The show, so, and I don't mean this as a as a as a as a criticism, but it's like it's a classic case of like small universe syndrome. Yeah, but you know, yeah, okay, that's fair, but that's but again, I don't know. mean that. I mean, but that's this isn't the first time we've seen Trek do this, so right. Or yeah. this is a big one that comes up 
typically is Star Wars. Right. And it's like, yeah, it's fiction. You know, I don't know. That's that's how you do it. Right. But, you know, it would also be like, well, if they, if they didn't show any connection, then they would complain. If they show any connection, then they complain either way. Then they right. complain it, that way, too. I mean. So this comes up a lot in actually my superhero class where students want to apply the rules of re of the real world mm -hmm. to the fictional world. And I have to tell them that's not how it works. Right. Like superheroes are not in a math equation. They want it to be a math equation where it's like you just add up the powers of this character and this character, and then it's going to tell you who wins or something. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, just because there are six, seven billion people on earth doesn't mean you have to pick them at random when you write a story. Like you yeah. want to have these connections right? because they have meaning. Well, you know what I think it is? This is what I think it is. I think the reason why fans complain about this kind of stuff specifically is that, like we were saying, even though it's not technically wrong, it in a way feels like in a way it feels like they're walking a fine line with that, right? Yes. Like it's not like oh that's like a a Riker relative or something and then it's fine like you can do anything you want but like when you have like a Khan descendant on the Enterprise and the Enterprise eventually runs into Khan twice, right? So it feels it like been, you're walking Bok a fine line. Knows her. Say again. We have to we have to assume Spock knows her, and certainly Spock was around when Khan was around. Right. So right. That maybe would have come up. Yeah, it's like that. That's how I'm looking at it. It feels like the shows, things like this, make it seem like they're walking a very fine line. Yeah. Where again, while it's not technically wrong, it's like. There seems to it seems to present um, in the future moments where that character may be may have been relevant to be mentioned. Yeah. So, but oh, we'll I'm going to make one discovery joke. Yep. Okay. They're just they can just pass the Starfleet regulation that you can't talk about her. That's it. I'm done. She'll change her name by order of Starfleet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now the last one. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's kind of like. There was a big thing where like, Spock never mentioned a sister. He can't have a sister. And we brought it up to, like, he's Spock. He wouldn't mention it unless it was relevant. So right. it might be the same thing. Like, even when Khan was there, it's just like, I didn't see it as relevant, Captain. Well, I think it's relevant. Relevant, like, relevant how? Like, now, if she also is genetically engineered and took over the ship, then yes, that's relevant when Khan comes along. Right. Because now you're like, yeah. oh, well, that happened. And now. But many generations later, maybe she's just a little bit stronger. But even if she's just a relation, like, oh, you know, one of Khan's descendants was aboard this ship, but nothing happened. What relevance does that bring to the situation? Right. How exactly. does that help so things? Maybe it, just, maybe it just wasn't relevant. Maybe he thought about it and was like, nah, it doesn't matter. Right. Like, cool. Yeah, like she was fine. But yeah, like, cool. how does that help you in fending this enemy off? Right. right. Yeah. Although he could have said like, Captain, I happen to know one of her descendants. Maybe she could, I don't know what, you know, talk to him, talk some sense into him or whatever. Maybe she dies. Who knows? I'm curious. I want to see what they'll do. But, yeah, I mean, there's a, definitely a lot of questions surrounding that. So we want to, again, as I say, tell us more. The last character, also an original character, is um, Melissa Navia plays Lieutenant Erica Ortegas. So also an original character. So, um, oh, yeah. Looks like she might be the navigator. Okay. Based yeah. on where we um, saw her. But the, th the the other thing that I noticed, too, was 
number one, actually, they gave her the they gave her a full name. Yes. Did you notice that? I did. And I was wondering, am I supposed to know this name? Has this come up before? Una Chin Riley. And Rebecca Romaine says she's very complex. She's more complex than we know. Yeah. Okay. So what did you think of the new uniforms? Honestly, I didn't pay that much attention. I'm, I got to tell you, I'm not a fan, but at the same time, like I've, I've learned not to get too attached because they'll probably change in three episodes. Spock's look kind of surprised me because they're going yeah. they were going for a little bit more of a cage look with him with the hair specifically yeah yeah his ears look different too they do they they fix the sideburns um yeah you need the point to be sideburns That's yeah, people were saying that ethan peck's appearance as spock like fully uniformed at the end of last season of the second season of discovery looks more like a cosplay than into the actual character i just i had gotten too used to him as the, with the beard so it just seemed I know, I really like yeah. bearded. I um, liked it. I liked that look. Spock, honestly. I liked the shaggy Spock look. I was yeah, a little... We knew it from later, kind of more shaggy Spock from the films. I was a little disappointed we didn't get a better look at the Enterprise sets, but from what I can tell, it looks very retro. Like, it looks like a very... Like, that picture... That I'm, when I see Spock specifically, this, it's got some real motion picture vibes to it. Yes, yes. The background. Yeah, and like, it's got that... It's got like that like a very like retro 70s kind of like futuristic from a 70s perspective look to it. Yes, which yeah. is interesting. So I'd like to see how they meld that with the 60s look. Right. Right. And, so You know, I think as we talked about when we first saw the Enterprise in Discovery, we really liked what they did with the bridge. They kept the, the essential right. elements. Well, and it seems like they even made some alterations to that too. Like it looked like we were obviously we've been analyzing it to death as we always do on the Trek BBS. And on Discovery, there was like a corridor behind the Enterprise Bridge, and it looks like they may have gotten rid of that. Mm-hmm. Um, they the lighting look the sh- it looks a lot brighter. It looks like there's much more white to it. Has a bit of a shinier, cleaner look to it. It's actually evoking. It's like a weird sort of like melding of like what it was in Discovery. And then it sort of brings in a little bit of the uh, Kelvin universe, Abrams design to yeah, it. Yeah, which I don't love. Yeah. I mean, I like how you said it, though, bringing in the motion picture. I'll take the motion picture yeah. over Kelvin any day. Like, specifically that moment when you see Spock on screen, where he's standing. Like, it looks, it just, yeah, it has this, it looks like it's from, I just, I can't explain it. It just, I get, I think of the motion picture when I see that. Yeah, you're right, because it's got sort of that white molded plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then one of um of uh Pike, you know, there's no white behind him. It all looks kind of like it did in Discovery. It's sort of dark metal. I don't know where that is. I don't. Th- that's not the bridge. That's not the captain's chair. No. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. True. I don't know where that is. That's true. Um, oh, so one thing that I found very promising. You know how much I love the conference room scenes. Yes. So they talked about how Pike is someone who likes to sit around oh. a table and come to a consensus. Yes. I wanted to and discuss so this. Designed it around that, and that's great because I love the conference room scenes. I love the building of consensus. I think yep. it's one of the best things about Star Trek. I've said it before: is watching, you know, intelligent people yep. um, discuss things and, and make a decision. I wanted to it bring that like up. A really boring thing to want to see in a television show, but I love it. I wanted to bring that up because I was I was so glad to hear that because weren't they talking about how like. They were talking about like doing that in his quarters and like Pike letting people in and like even like cooking and stuff like that. So yeah, it could take or leave. 
But well, but they were talking like Goldsman was specifically talking about like because that's the way Anson Mount carries himself. Yes. And so, and as a as a TV writer, like a lot of the things that you do to make an effective character is you kind of you see what traits the actor has and you bring yeah. that into the into the character. And I mean, I'm not expecting that you know to see Pike like making scrambled eggs and then having breakfast and you know, but. No, but he may have his 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 bridge staff, right, and make dinner for them. Also, it's it's a generous thing. It builds, you know. Right. It shows that he cares for them. There's a lot to it. Yeah, that I got very, I got very excited when I when I heard that, and especially because you're talking about, you're talking about character traits. You're not talking about like, yeah, doing big mindless action sequences. You're talking but, about what right, makes the know. character likable. Yeah, it's not like uh, we're going to face bigger threats than we've seen before. Right. Yeah. Right. No, no bigger threats. I want smaller threats only. So, I, yeah, I mean, to 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 kind of wrap this, I mean, we up to now, and we're seeing, and you know, we're seeing it on in this trailer. Like they're saying, they've been saying, and in my and I'm in my mind, they're doing all the right things so far, doing all the right things. Yes, and it sounds yeah. like their plan is good. Now, the thing that I have said before, and I will say again, is the fact that it's not that easy to write these morality tales right. or lesson things. And that's why in the I've always mentioned this too. In the original series, they were bringing in you know science fiction authors to write one episode. And yep. so it wasn't, they weren't putting it on just a small group of people to write all of these episodes because you sort of need that diversity of ideas, I think. So nobody from that show wrote for, nobody wrote for a trashy ABC show. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think they have a tough task ahead of them, mm. but, um, you know, I hope you to know, see, what they, I look forward to seeing what they do with it. You know what I think and, too? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I just want to say, I just pulled up another picture with um, Ethan Peck sitting in front of the transporter room. Yes. I'm, I have that one up right now. It looks pretty great. And it's fun to look at the background because having gone to the the set, right, and they explained what it was, It's the it was the um, the covering that they sold to put on drums because they had yep. this sort of pearlescentness to it and they could yep. get big rolls of it, so they used that. And it even sort of has that vibe to the design in those yep. panels back there. They've added lights, made it a lot nicer. Well, keep in much. mind, too, that when we, last, when we last saw the Enterprise, I mean, aside from the bridge, they were repurposing and redressing Discovery's sets, which, were, which are also a reuse of the Shenzhou's sets. Mm. So now they can really, you know, they're not going to reuse Discovery's transporter room for this. Right, they need to have their own sets. They're not even filmed nearby, so why wouldn't you take the opportunity to kind of like redo all of this stuff and give the show its own its own look? I mean, yeah, bring yeah. in some of those uh, enough of those elements, way more than right. you know the J.J. Abrams films did to right. give it more of a, of a feel of the original while still updating it. And I think they're doing that really well. I can't wait to see engineering. I think um, the last thing I was going to say about this is that because you were talking about the writing you know hoping yes. the writing is up to par and it does all that stuff um so i think 
something can be said about just being in this world with these characters. We were talking about enjoying that with this season of Lower Decks. We were just happy to be back with these characters. I'm not saying that the writing can't be good. It should be. It should be good, and I hope it's good. I'm just telling. I'm just saying that on the face of it. I'll be happy just to be with Captain Pike, Spock, and number one again. And especially hearing what I'm hearing from Akiva Goldsman, I'm just going to be happy to be in that world again. So they've already got me there. But you've got to deliver, you've got to deliver some very compelling storylines as well. Yes. So. Especially when you say that you're going to be hitting the type of metaphorical lesson stories. Yes. Because it is, I imagine it's a difficult task. Because you've got to be concise. Yeah. You've got to be able to get in and get out. So it's sort of an older style of writing where you've got to have, you know, the whatever, however many acts are in a, you know, hour long show. When I was but, watching Akiva Goldsman talk about, on the red carpet, about going back to the episodic format, I kind of felt like he was trying to say in the nicest way possible. I'm so tired of doing story, arc based storytelling. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think so. And, you know, I think he's right. I'm tired of him doing it if he has any part in, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the seasons of Trek we haven't loved. Well, he's done Picard and he did, he was on Discovery, I believe, for the first season. I don't know for the second, but yeah. Okay, well then. Right. He's less involved than others. So, we don't know yet the release date of the show. It's probably going to be after Picard comes out. But, um, so probably next spring. But um, I think that from all the announcements they made, these are the two that we're most excited about. I'm not going to, I don't want to, you know, risk a competition with you, but I, how about it? This one or Picard? What are you more excited about? Picard. Picard? Yeah. yeah There's more there I mean, to be excited about. There's more stuff that, yeah. Right. Although it is tough because this one, Picard, even though it looks like the season's going to be batshit insane. Yeah. You know, we know the characters and whatnot, so there's a little less to be excited about there, whereas mm -hmm. we don't know a lot of these characters, or we do, but we don't know this version. So uh, it's tough. I'm probably, I have to say, probably equal. Probably equal. I think for different reasons. I'm more excited for Strange New Worlds strictly because I'm excited for the possibilities. Right, I'm excited because this is just, it's a whole new era of Trek that we don't know anything about. And as I've always said, I'm very excited over like just the, the idea of filling in more Enterprise history that we don't know anything about. And it, it's the possible. I'm just excited about the possibilities. So uh, let's. Just, and I just hope that the show delivers on that. So totally. just a few more to discuss, and then we'll wrap this up. So. Really? Discovery. Now, we oh. didn't get a new trailer. No. But we... <laughs> something we about the way you said no. Um, yeah. So, all we know at this point is... So, we, like, we didn't get any new information. We got a date, didn't we? We got a date. We did, But we didn't get any new plot information, right? Yeah. But, well, that's fine. November 18th. So, the show is back earlier than we thought, or that I thought. Right. November 18th. Great. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this because again, we no. haven't, we didn't really learn anything. I just want to get, I want to take your temperature on how you feel like that went last night. 
the panel. Um, yeah, so when I was young, <laughs> my mom would go back to this saying all the time. And it was, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Okay. Now, normally, right, our duty in this podcast is to review the episodes honestly. So this was, a, a, in this case, I'm going to follow my mom's advice. Mm. I'm not going to say anything because I don't have anything nice to say. You can't just give me something. Just give the listeners something. Don't go down. Don't don't. You know, just give us some. Just give us a morsel because I'm going to follow up on that. And it, it was sort of the classic thing where we hear the showrunner talk about the show, and we, you know, jokingly say, "What show is she talking about?" Because she's not talking about Discovery. Right. So um, that's sort of the that was the feeling, and you know, I mean, one thing that stands out to me is like you know. I believe that the showrunner said, um, we really look, we're always looking to deepen those relationships on the show. The writer's room is always looking to deepen the relationships. And my thought was, we've been with these characters for three seasons and we don't know Jack about most of them. I don't believe that you are deepening the relationship. So it's a real disconnect between what they say they're doing and what we see on the screen. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. And, so, I'll follow on that and say that I'm not going to criticize what I saw. I'm just going to say I want to see the show that you're talking about. Yes, totally. You know, totally. That's all. And I have to say, right, so that's a little bit unfair because that's only talking about her. But, you know, all the actors are lovely. All the actors clearly right. are, you know, very committed and, um, you know, they're they're doing good work. It's just all, all we're saying, you know, for the list, for the listeners, and I always feel like I need to apologize to the listeners because I feel like we're turning into a bunch of like salty guys over the show. And I and I, oh. you know, I mean, if you listen to this, this episode, for instance, it, we're probably going to be like 85 percent positive. I, but I just mean like on Discovery itself. I don't I don't mean over. I don't mean in general. Um, uh, I mean, what what we have sort of come to the conclusion that what we said and you know it was as much as said at the end of last season is that when we hear them talk about themes that they want to explore or character relations or like to your point deepening the relationships or like when admiral vance says to michael you showed me i forget what his exact quote was but like you showed me how to be a better person you showed me how to like that's that's not the show that we're seeing like it feels like we're watching an entirely different show and I've heard other people who watch the show view it that way as well. Like, I'm just in love with this character. I love what they're doing with them. That's so, and I'm just like, I don't, like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I just, I don't, in a way, like, I'm frustrated because, like, I wish I could enjoy the show like you do. I, it's, just, it's just not, it's just not what I'm seeing. This is not the yeah, show I'm seeing. It's hard for me with this show because yeah. I can have a difference of opinion with someone right on what works and what doesn't i don't know i think it's that my criticisms of this show are so firm so solidly founded i feel that it goes beyond opinion right i feel like it is yeah. it is just fact uh -huh. but obviously it's not fact but that's how i feel yeah i mean i still want the I'm still gonna continue watching it. I want I want oh, yeah. to, the show to get better. You know, like I'm. Oh, it's a great season. It's I, I'm always hoping for the best, 
Oh, and I'm not. We don't go into this. What I know of them. We don't go into the show ready to hate it, right? So, because don't forget, this was the show that got us that kicked this podcast off in the first place. Yeah. So we were we were mainly positive on season one, all throughout. Right. Right. So. It was halfway we'll, through season two that they really lost us. We'll see. I, I again, I just wish that I, I wish I could enjoy it like other people do. I, I wish that I was able. I just, I personally, I, I, I don't see it yet. And it, to your point, it's the classic like discovery panel where they talk about all these deep themes and brilliant themes that they're addressing, and I'm like. Yeah. I'm not I'm not purposely evading it while I'm watching. I just don't maybe maybe there's something wrong with me. I don't know. Well, as the expression goes, hope springs eternally and we can hope that this will be the season that they really, you know, tie it all together. But they also say that hope is you. Um <laughs> the last so we got a little bit more of an information. That's another thing that didn't make any sense. <laughs> we got a little more information on Star Trek Prodigy. We even got a new trailer for that. Um, how are you feeling about this one? I have been won over. Yeah. I'm very interested, and my expectations, even though I've been won over, my expectations are still pretty low, so I think I'll enjoy it. Because, my, you know, I don't expect that much. It is a kid's show, really right. a kid's show this time. But I also feel that they're approaching it in the way that you would approach a serious kid show, right? You know, people could argue Star Wars The Clone Wars is a kid show, but I love it. Yeah. So um, it looks like it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I don't the thing is, like, I don't really have any expectations for the show. And that's not a, I mean, that's not a bad thing. It's just because I don't know what to because it's so unlike any Trek show that we have seen. And it's like Sky's kind of the limit at this point. I mean, I I'm glad Captain Janeway is going to be there. Yeah, I mean, who better, right? Move. That yeah. really tie, that really solidifies it. Yeah, you know, ties it to everything else. I think yeah. it was a really really smart move. I th- um, I th- if she wasn't there, I think I don't think I would be as interested. Yeah, and I like the idea the idea that you get this ragtag group, and they sort of by necessity have to use this ship and through it and through Janeway they're going to kind of learn the ideals and the methods of Starfleet it's a it's a great idea the idea it, is rock solid so you might I don't know if you watched the panel for, for it but the two creators of the show at one point said the characters on the show are not going to don Starfleet uniforms not right away they said they will eventually but they said the reason why we didn't do that origin at the start of it is because we wanted it we wanted it to be a moment. We wanted it to make sense. Right. When they actually like we wanted it to mean something when they actually put that uniform on other than just be like, Hey, what's this cool thing that I'm gonna wear? Like Yeah. That's cool. And I'm yeah. sure it will become because they will they will be won over by Janeway. Right. They will buy into the whole concept and the ideals. Yeah. And that's what I think is great. You because know, it's going to force us to look at what are the ideals of Starfleet? Like, why do we like Starfleet? You know? So I think that's going to be 
Well, you know, you know what it is. When when you think about all of these other Trek shows, and you have that one alien who's not that one person who's not a human, and who may not even know much about Starfleet, or does, but is the outsider, and learns about humans, learns about, and they sort of serve as that mirror to humans, or to Starfleet. Now you've got a whole show populated with those with characters like that. You've got a show with yeah, a bunch you, of datas. You've got a show with a bunch of floxes, right? Where yeah. now there's one person that knows Starfleet. Exactly. And everybody else doesn't. Exactly. Which is why I think it's so good. Because right. you're, I think that no show has been forced to distill what does Starfleet mean into, you know, like a, a, some concrete statements. I think Voyager did do that. Um, I mean, in the new batch, but I think Paramount Plus era. Oh, right. But what I'm saying is, I like I definitely think Voyager did that, but I think that this show has a chance to do it in a very meaningful way. Yes. Yeah. It's. I think it's going to be interesting to see what will they emphasize for what does Starfleet. I would actually. I'm sure if you ask fans, you're going to get a thousand different answers. I would actually venture to say that this is probably the most unique and maybe the riskiest, riskiest Star Trek show done. I mean, you people can hate on Kurtzman all they want. Okay, you can criticize the new shows and not like them. Okay, but what you will never convince me of is that he's not trying new things with these new shows and trying to appeal to different audiences. I know that some retroactively now say Rick Berman was one of the best things that ever happened to the franchise because it's the franchise, it's the era of shows that they connect with the most, or the ones that they grew up with. Next Gen, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, love them, great shows, but once again, as different as the shows might have been, they still felt the same. They weren't, you know, they didn't... Deep Space Nine was definitely the most unique out of all of them, all right? But mm. they all still felt like they were part of that same... They all had the same template. They all had the same vibe. They all had the same production value. They were yes. all appealing to the same audience. Right, and particularly once you hear sort of the behind-the-scenes of him and how he resisted doing anything that might challenge the audience in any way. Right. Which, you know, we talk a lot about Gene Roddenberry's vision. Well, one of Gene Roddenberry's vision was, you know, challenging the audience in ways. You don't right. do the first, quote-unquote, first interracial kiss on television right? Um, without having that attitude of, I'm going to push some, some uh, limits here, some boundaries that I don't think are fair or, you know, uh, reasonable. I think that Lower Decks and this show, I mean, we've not seen this show yet, but just on the idea of it, um, are probably two of the boldest moves that they've done with this current slew of shows. I mean, while you can argue that Lower Decks might not be an edgy adult comedy, it's new territory for Trek. And... It's done well. It's done very well. They've really managed to make it work. And I think that, and I just, I love what I'm hearing for this new show. And I love that, I love that you just said, because it wasn't something I thought of until we said it, that 
it's inverted. Now you've got a show full of datas, full of floxes. You have you have a show full of all the outside of characters on a Trek show, and you've only got one human, although they're a hologram, but one human type of character now. And you have one embodiment of Starfleet. Yes, which I think is which I think is that's such a cool way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's gonna be cool because I'm sure that they will not immediately buy into whatever Janeway is selling as far as like how you should operate a ship and how you should work as a team and all that. But I'm sure that they will slowly be won over. Yeah. And um, I think, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. And, and, and just on a side note, the animation style, the art style is absolutely amazing. It does look very cool. Yeah. And I really like the new ship too. I think the, the, it's very cool. yeah. it has sort of like, it sort of evokes Voyager a little bit mm-hmm. in its saucer shape. Yeah, if anybody wasn't seen it, go back and watch. They uh, like last week, I think they released the opening title sequence for it, and it looks fantastic. It does. The opening yeah. title also looks fantastic. They're really pushing the limits of what they can do. Yep. So, Prodigy is premiering on October twenty eighth, which I believe is the week after Lower Decks. And so, but you were right in that there's going to be overlap. So, because this is the twenty eighth, and Discovery is the eighteenth of November. So yeah. there's going to be overlap between the two of them, it seems like. Yeah. Unless, this I, ep- unless the show only has three episodes, but I doubt. That would be weird. Yeah. Or unless yeah, they drop everything at once. This would be on a different tier. Yeah. Given that it is a kid show. But I think it's, I think it's going to have enough for us to, um, to, to care about it. And lastly, of course, we got what I thought we would, a mid-season trailer for the remainder of Lower Decks. Yep. So I, I laughed a lot. Mm-hmm. In it. Yeah. And I got to assume that the Borg situation is on the holodeck. Well, I did see a Borg ship exploding in space. So I couldn't. There's no way Boimler would be that cool, calm, and collected when facing a Borg. It's got to be. Well, thought. because there was that earlier in the earlier trailer, you do see him on the bridge of the Enterprise at one point, and you were like, and I was like, that's got to be a holodeck because he's all buffed and very like confident yeah. and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I want to see what they do for the rest of the Here's the thing. I'm not going to get into, because I've already watched a new episode, which we still have to discuss, which we'll do in the next episode. But um, I feel like I'm noticing a pattern with this show. It seems like the first half of a season is figuring out what they're going to be doing or figuring out the, the mixture as it was. And then once they get to the midpoint, then it just kind of takes off and starts getting really good because I really like this episode this week. And if this trail is any indication, it's just going to get wilder and, and even going to get better as the season continues. So look, I could be 1000% dead wrong, or maybe that's just the way I'm perceiving it. But um, because we, we've, it's been checkered the way we how we've been reviewing the season so far because we you know it's been sort of like ups and downs and for some of them but um it hasn't been as consistent as it was last season but that's okay um so but what i'm noticing is that cuz that's when the first season took off it was once they hit the midpoint then it was just they just were kind of like firing on all cylinders at that point cuz i remember there was like episodes like 3 and 4 we were kind of like oh i don't know this is like the kind of ruining the they're not following the concept or whatever, and they're not, you know. Um, and I feel like we've reached that point now with season two. Because, again, I liked this episode quite a bit. And the trailer seems to be pointing 
to that kind of following the same pattern as last time. So that's just, I mean, I, I realize what I'm saying is probably absolutely insane, but yeah. No, I think the, from the trailer, definitely the rest of the season looks promising. Hmm. And it's true. Last season, we were sort of up and down at the beginning of the season for the first three or four episodes. Yeah. And that's similar to how it's going now. So, yeah, I think that's a fair statement. I hope you're right about the trailer. I do, too. As we've seen, trailers can trick us. I don't think this one is, but it's possible. I mean, not to jump ahead and begin talking about this week's episode, but let's just say that... I haven't seen it, so... They do address the an elephant in the room which i'm glad they finally do something that's been lo- that was sort of looming that i was hoping that they would so and now i kind of feel like okay now we're really back to now we're really back to normal okay yeah yeah and and i think last week they were heading in that direction um i felt like last week they were moving on an upward trajectory so i think we're still yeah we're still doing that so um, yeah, I mean, obviously not much to say on L- Lower Decks because the season is obviously ongoing at this point. Yes. So we will see. But um, the last thing I will mention is just a quick news item. So um, they did release a short 12-second clip of the motion picture director's edition in high def that's being restored for high def, upscaled to high def. Right. Yeah. Which looks interesting. Yeah, I, interestingly, I actually also watched an interview with Shatner that Collider mm. did about the new 4K release. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. you know, Shatner. But he it was, it was mildly interesting, I guess. He he sort of said that he, he essentially, he, he thinks that the warts and all of the old films is great and doesn't want to see too much like fiddling with the effects or the mm. anything so it's kind of like yeah kind uh, of you know, leave it there because you know we were doing what we could with the money we had and we think we did a good job and that's sort of part of the term yeah because as the director of wrath of khan i've heard say nick meyer he said um because he has a similar thought about like stuff like that and he says movies are a lot of things including history hmm which is great, yeah. Um, but, you know, the Motion Picture Director's Edition, it's a great addition to the film. It, it, it's not one of those, like, let's just update it because it'll be cool. It's it's finishing what they couldn't finish at the time. Right. So, which, yeah, and I guess there were, he was also talking about how there were strikes in the middle of it, and so they just ran out of right. time to edit it properly. Like, we're not dealing with a whole, like, Star Wars special edition situation, right? Yeah, Where, like that's now the yeah. Certainly watch it. Yeah, it could um, be honestly. But that's going to stream exclusively on Paramount Plus. Right for a while before it goes. But we to... will be able to purchase it at some point. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I, I feel good about. I mean, I like that decision. Well, the you know, doing the director's edition has been a long time in coming. They never released that on Blu-ray. Every Blu-ray release has been the original theatrical cut of the film. So the only way you can see the director's edition right now is to either buy it off of like iTunes or track down a copy of the DVD. Mm. But it's in so standard when, edition. When was this done, the director's edition? Say again? When was the director's edition done? 
The director's edition was done in 2001. So when this is when deep the director dead. No, he was still alive at the time. So the director's edition back then, that's when DVD, the DVD format was, you know, taking hold as the, everybody was having, everybody was getting them at that point. Everybody was, everybody almost had them. They were releasing the Trek films on DVD, but they were releasing them like backwards. They were releasing like bare bones vanilla releases, I think beginning with like maybe Insurrection or something like that, and then just going backwards. No special features, nothing like that. No, just going back. So by the time they reached the motion picture, they made the director's edition. And then, and did this, did all these like, you know, they actually packed it with bonus features. They did the new effects. The actually did the director's edition. Yes, he did. There's a commentary track on there, stuff like that. And then once they released that, they never released a bare bones disc of the motion picture by itself on DVD. So then, then they began releasing the movies again and then made all of them special editions. So then they made a Wrath of Khan director's edition. Then they did a special edition for Search for Spock and, you know, the ones going after that. So they kind of, they came, they went back around and then began releasing like two disc editions of, yeah. Yeah, but there was no, like 2000, go ahead. He could have worked on it. He was the editor on Citizen Kane. Robert was. Yes. Yeah, director of Day of the Earth stood still. Right. But he edited Citizen Kane. That was right. a long time ago. They and were remarkable. Like what a what a career. What a crazy you know, century yeah. spanning career he had. But like what I love about the director's edition is that like it's true, like it does complete some of the film. Like you like when the Enterprise is flying over V'ger in that movie, in the original version you don't really get a sense of like what it is or where they are. Like, are they inside of it? Are they above it? Like, what does this thing look like? And like the director's edition gets, gives you your first look at what V'ger the ship looks like. Mm. You actually see it. They, you know, make a CG model of it, but you actually see what it looks like. Yeah. I'm excited now. I've not seen the director's edition. Like when we went to see it, I can lend you the DVD. No, no, I'm going to wait and see it before. Okay. <laughs> um, when we went to see it in a the theater, obviously it was at a film theater, so they were using a, right. a print of it. Right. So um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, to be clear, like again, you know, they don't they don't change much. I mean, they they they. I think like the estab- the establishing shots of San Francisco in the beginning of the film are modified. They add an original series shuttlecraft in the background just for fun. But they change a lot of that because originally those were just matte paintings, and there was nothing. There was nothing like moving in those. Fo- in those, so they, you know, the little of, like uh, space walking person. In right, down. but like the dry dock sequence is completely intact. I think there's only like one or two, three shots where they actually make a digital model of the Enterprise. But unless, but unless you know what shot it is, you won't. You wouldn't. You won't even know. Oh wow! It's well yeah. done. Then. So, and most of the changes come in when they actually get into V'ger. And um, I think one of the other shots is like when they, when, remember when they, at the end, when they go out onto the Enterprise hull and they walk, you actually, you actually begin to see some of that path begin to form. Like they add, so like what they're really doing is they're just, they're helping the visual of the story, right? They're not just, they're making it make more sense, make things more clear. They're not just changing it because like, you can make it look cool now. Right. I mean, I know. 
in the special edition of Star Wars, like they make some changes to kind of like make it maybe more a little bit more in line with the prequels, but there are also some changes that are just done for the hell of it, right? Oh yeah, some of them seem like yeah, you're sort of playing with new technology. Yeah. Yeah, like a lot of those shots on like Tatooine don't need yeah. to be in there. No. Yeah. And then there are some that like sort of established uh, I think with the Millennium I think it showed the Millennium Falcon like landing or taking off and you get more of a sense of like the city. Right. Which is good, but yeah, I mean this like they have the dinosaur looking creature just for show like, hey, we can make dinosaurs. But now. like of most of it, right, would you say I mean some of it does help the does help and enhance the the world, right? But some yeah. of it is kind of like, yeah, let's just do this because it'll be cool. Yeah. Yeah. We can do this now. Let's do it. Yeah. Yep. So but overall, I think a good Star Trek day. I think the only thing that I, I felt like there was too much pop and pomp and circumstance around it. Like I didn't need a red carpet. I didn't need, you know, those hosts. My God, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I, I st- yeah, I thought the red carpet was a little overkill. Yeah. But it, it was you know the discussion with the Kiva Goldman was interesting. Uh, he's one of the best. You know, he's one of the best things about that. Just like he's a smart guy. Like. I think him and the other one there who wrote uh, Unification 3, Kirsten Beyer, they're like two of the best assets of this new franchise. In Chabon. Yes, Chabon. Michael Chabon too, yes. Where was he, by the way? I know. I'm really surprised that he wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little surprised. I'm a little disappointed that like Shatner doesn't take part in these festivities. but. Right. He was uh, off doing an interview with Collider. Yeah. He probably demands too much money. But I think like... I was happy with what they did last year. Just do some pre-recorded panels. That's all. I don't need like, uh, like the or- yeah. the orchestra is cool, but like honestly, like I I can listen to that music anytime. I just want to get to the I just want to get to the stuff. I want to get to the goods. Yeah, although if they had sent us tickets as you know the prominent Star Trek podcasters yeah. we are, then I would I would have had a different tune about it. Of course, of course. I mean, call me an impatient person, but like I know how much you was it first contact day i think it was first contact day or picard day jerry o'connell was hosting and you were like apparently you were like oh my god like i couldn't like i've no i've like i hate this host so much yeah so at least i i didn't feel that way i mean even the red carpet hosts i take them over jerry o'connell any day well because you were saying like i don't need the host to be entertaining yeah so yeah. that's the thing that i feel like will wheaton sometimes does but jerry o'connell was doing it way too much he thought like he had to be the set prick making jokes and yada yada yeah no the host is a facilitator. And that's what Correct. I think, um, I can't think of her name, but, you know, Jordy's daughter. She's yep. a good facilitator. She doesn't try to make herself the story. Right. And, you know, and I think because she's... Discussion. Because she's related to LeVar Burton, you know, she knows, she she obviously knows the next-gen cast. So she knows how to, you know, it's not just like she's there for a job. She knows them. Right. She knows the Trek family. And I'm sure O'Connell does too, but he still bugs me. Yeah. So I think um, overall, yeah, a really good Star Trek day. I, I hope that next time they don't make this big of a deal out of it. I, I'm fine with them just doing, yeah, just doing regular panels. But um, Unless, and this is to the Paramount Plus marketing department, unless they want to send us two tickets for to get in and for the planes, of course. So right. then make it a big production, could get some great catering, you know, maybe some swag bags. Oh, yeah. I would not say no to it going yes. and be i would not do that at all <laughs> but, yeah but so paramount you change you have a different Martin. tune when you're a viewer versus being a host 
Yeah, throw you an attendee. Yeah, attendee. Um, um, yeah, but they they don't like us. So I think for me, the, my order of excitement it's is ethical it, to take a swag bag. We would never do that. Well, there like, is some swag. There is. They did release some swag that you can buy for the day. So I'm, I'm definitely going to go buy a Strange New Worlds coffee mug. Right. Yeah, I was looking at some stuff that was kind of cool too. Yeah, but I think on the level of excitement, take it free. On so for me, number one. Paramount marketing. For me, Strange New Worlds, most excited. Picard right after that. Uh, Lower Decks, Prodigy, and then Discovery. That's my order of excitement. Ah, yes. Mm. I'm pretty much tied on Picard and, and Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds is just a little bit of an edge. Yeah. And yeah. then next, though, for me, it's is a thin probably. margin. Prodigy, because it's just, you know. Similar to Strange New Worlds, it's sort of that excitement of anticipation of not really knowing exactly what to expect. You're excited about the possibilities of what they exactly. could do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we will um, see. But I think for now we will call it and then be back in a couple days to uh, do another podcast on the latest episode of Lower Decks which I have as I said I've already seen and you need to watch mm-hmm. we'll probably uh, get to that this weekend yes yeah um, but with that said I have been one of your hosts thank you for joining us and we will see you very soon later skaters peace out